Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. I make little how-to videos for YouTube, mostly having to do with electric guitars. I show beginners how to change the strings, keep the neck clean, polish the body, etc. For the more advanced or curious, I've done lots of pickup swapping and wiring videos and some fret leveling. To do all these videos, I require a large and diverse stock of guitars. I find pawn shops to be the most useful and consistent sources of instruments. I went to one recently and picked up a pretty ordinary looking Squire Strat, but this guitar turned out to be far from ordinary. It had a blue body with a maple neck and fretboard. The pickups and cover were pearlescent white. Someone had sanded all the finish and paint off of the contoured armrest and a big portion of the back of the body. It looked like someone had tried to relic this one. That's where you artificially age a guitar to make it appear road-worn. But they had been far too aggressive. I couldn't believe how much they had sanded off before giving up. I used the Squire to make a video about tremolo bridge tension. That's the uh, springs in the back attached to the whammy bar. I shot it in my little studio like usual, then spent most of the next day editing. I tend to ramble and start sentences without finishing them. It takes some finagling to make me make sense, but after a few hours I had a pretty decent video, in my personal opinion. The last step was to add captions. I edit in Adobe Premiere. You may be familiar. It has a fantastic captioning feature where it transcribes the speech in your video for you. It's a godsend. I used to have to type the captions all out by hand and line them up manually. The auto-transcription will get your captions about 75% of the way there. Maybe more if you talk better than me, but I always have to do some adjusting. Some spelling on words like whammy needs to be corrected. Occasionally I mush two words together and they come out as something completely different in text. Then there's the capitalization and all that. But when it's all said and done, I can usually have a 10 minute video captioned in 30 minutes or less. But this video presented me with some interesting issues. I ran the auto-transcription, but there were dozens of extra words spliced at the end of my sentences. Sometimes there were full sentences that ran on after I had finished talking. For example, one line said, You'll need to watch out for the ground wire here, together for the last time, Kelly. I had stopped talking at here. The rest seemed to come from nowhere. So I ran it again. The results were almost identical which is strange because sometimes even the words that are supposed to be there can come out different if you run the auto feature more than once. 
the program is prone to change its mind about what you might have said. But the extra words all came out exactly the same both times. Here's another example. So you'll want to unscrew the tremolo arm by twisting it like this. Remember the last place I saw her. Nonsense. Now, I know what you might be thinking. No, there was no radio on in the background. I wasn't listening to a podcast or music or YouTube or anything. This wasn't my first video. It was just me in a quiet room. Could it have been some kind of interference? I suppose, but like I said, I've never had this problem before and I always record with the same equipment in the same space. The only thing that ever changes is the instrument I'm working on. It didn't make a lick of sense to me, but in the end I had to chalk it up to a glitch. What else could I do? I'm just an old loner with a basement full of guitars. I'm not some Silicon Valley computer whiz. Working on the Squire's tremolo system gave me an idea to do another video about how to intonate that kind of bridge. If you don't know what any of that means, you probably don't need to. All that's important is that I was making a video with the same blue Squire guitar I had used last time. The one with the paint sanded off half of it. Once again, the auto captions were full of words I didn't say speech which ran on long after my rambling yapper had gone quiet. This time I was more angry than confused. This feature, which was supposed to be an efficiency-boosting convenience, was becoming more headache than it was worth. Before I edited a single word, I unplugged my camera and took it back into my studio room. The squire was still laying on the workbench where I had left it. I set the camera up by the workbench where I always put it and hit record. This is a test, I said. Speech should stop here. I paused. Now there should be text. I paused. There should be nothing in between. Silence. There is no sound besides my voice in this room. Utter silence. I shrugged at the camera and shut it off. Almost nervous to see what I captured, I took the camera back to my office and plugged it into my computer. I imported the video, dropped it onto the timeline, and then ran the auto transcription. Sure enough, my pauses, where I'm sure the room had been dead quiet, were filled with text. And not just random gibberish. Here's the original, unedited transcription. This is a test. Oh. Speech should stop here. Wish could tell you. Now there should be text. Not my home. Rick. There should be nothing in this between us. It's all. There is no sound besides my voice in this room. Must be way. Some. As you can probably see, I was capturing something semi-coherent. It looked a little bit like a soap opera script, so I thought again of a signal interference. Maybe somebody's TV was cutting in? But like I said, I'd never experienced that before, and all that had changed was the guitar. And also, why couldn't I hear the words the text showed me? I googled the problem, but every thread on every forum I read seemed to come to a conclusion that didn't apply to me. Most of the answers were common sense things like speech bleeding through walls from other rooms. Stuff that made me wonder how someone could be smart enough to post on a forum, but dumb enough not to realize their camera would pick up other sounds in their space. As I read through post after post, I stopped really paying attention to what I was reading and entered a sort of meditative state. It was this state of semi-conscious awareness which gifted me the idea that changed everything. Once more, I took the camera back into the studio, set it up, and hit record. 
I shook the ridiculous feelings of foolishness by reminding myself this video would never see the light of day. It was just for my sake. After clearing my throat, I started talking, pausing between each sentence. Hello? Is there someone here besides me? Are you trying to talk to me? I can't hear you, but I can see your words on my screen. Do you know what that means? If this works, I'll come back and do it again. I stopped the video and took the camera back to my office again. I didn't import the new video right away, though. I felt too nervous. My hands were shaking. I needed to calm down before I diluted myself into a heart attack. That's the worst part of living alone at my age. If I go down, there ain't nobody gonna find me for a good long while. So I goofed around on YouTube for a bit before finally importing my video clip. I ran the auto-transcription, and the first two lines just about gave me that heart attack I was nervous about. Hello? Is there someone here besides me? Someone here. I told myself, well, this could be some sort of feedback, some echo of my own voice getting repeated in the captions. The next line could have confirmed this. Are you trying to talk to me? Trying. Again, possibly a digital echo. But then, my feedback theory was doused. The next line read, I can't hear you, but I can see your words on my screen. Do you know, can't hear me? I'm right beside you. I looked over my shoulder after reading that, convinced I was about to see some ghastly spirit looming over me. I hadn't said those last few words. Someone, or something else had. And loud enough to cover up my voice... Could the software have mistaken can't hear you as can't hear me? Yeah, it does stuff like that from time to time. But swapping, do you know what that means, with I'm right beside you? Completely unlikely. The next sentence I had said had been, if this works, I'll come back and do it again. The response, according to the auto captions, had been, police was Rick. Now, I've been using Adobe Premiere long enough to recognize certain patterns in words it often mistakes. For example, it frequently thinks I'm saying OR when I say HER, or as in this case, I think PLEASE became POLICE. Please, I was sick. That could have been the correct sentence. But I couldn't be sure without any audio to compare it to. And that name, Rick, it had appeared before, hadn't it? I wondered if it could be the ghost's name. I reopened YouTube and searched for paranormal investigation. I just wanted to see what would come up. I clicked on a video called, I wanted to see if my house was haunted, now I wish I didn't know. The thumbnail was some wide-eyed kid overlaid in front of a still frame of a window with a shadowy figure in it. It looked pretty corny to me, but I was curious how the kid might have gone about his investigation. The kid was pretty obnoxious and clearly just out for attention, but some bits of his video were useful. He used an EMF reader, just a standard one like you'd find at Home Depot, and went around his house to start. He said he had been hearing something that sounded like a little kid whispering in the laundry room. To his credit, before he started waving around that EMF reader, he flipped the main breaker off and shut down his cell phone. He went into his laundry room with nothing but his camera light and switched the EMF reader on. The green light, which is the lowest reading besides no light at all, lit up. It stayed steady, which made me think maybe his video equipment was emitting the signal. 
But then the kid stepped into the furthest corner next to a skinny window. The EMF reader skipped every other color and jumped straight to red. Folks, there's no way some lithium battery-powered AV equipment could bleed that much electricity into the air. Just no way. The kid got scared enough to run out of the room, and when he turned his camera back around to face the corner, a shadow moved across the skinny window. I watched this on loop. I'm sure the shadow wasn't caused by the kid filming the video. Could it have been some effect? Some illusion drawn up in post? Of course. You can't trust anything these days. But the kid's reaction seemed genuine enough to me. An EMF reader, as I mentioned, is something I could get at my local hardware store for 20 bucks. I figured it couldn't hurt. When I returned from the hardware store, I'll admit I struggled to go back in my studio. I was honestly pretty scared of what that EMF reader was going to do in there. I delayed the experiment by charging my camera for a while, since I wanted to shut off the power in the house. But once the camera battery reached 100%, I was all out of excuses. I collected a few candles before I flipped the breaker. I took them into my dark studio, set them up all around the room, and lit them one by one. Just in case it was observing me, I spoke to the ghost the whole time. I tried to assure him or her that I meant no harm, didn't mean to bother them. I told them I just wanted to know if they were really there. I said, I don't know if you believed in ghosts when you were alive, but folks these days tend not to think they're real. I centered the squire strat on my workbench. With a candle placed at each end of the bench, it looked like a makeshift altar. This made me stop to consider whether the spirit I had accidentally engaged with could, potentially, be something sinister. I don't know, something about the way the captions read never made me feel that way, but looking at the flames flickering reflections in the worn polish of the guitar's body made me wonder if it was wise to continue with the interaction. Then I asked myself, have you felt afraid at all? Has anything dangerous happened? No. Nerves? Yes. But fear? Real, scared-for-my-life fear? Not really. The spirit telling me it was right beside me had given me some serious shivers, but nothing more. All right, I said into the radiant orange glow around the room. I'm going to turn this thing on. I held up the EMF reader. It's going to light up when I get near you or when you get close to me. If you want to say anything, I think my camera will pick it up, but I won't be able to hear it. I turned the camera on. Holding the EMF reader in front of the lens, I switched the device into action. Immediately, the green light glowed. It flickered towards yellow for a second, but then held steadily at green. Okay, I said. I think you're here, but where exactly? The light briefly flickered yellow again. I had the reader pointed toward my workbench, so I took a step forward. The green light went dark, and yellow lit up strong. Okay, okay, I exclaimed. You're telling me where to go, aren't you? Can you come to me? Nothing. The light remained steadily yellow. I watched the flame's reflections flicker on the guitar and tried to imagine someone standing there between me and the bench. Are you trapped? I asked. I won't be able to hear your answer until I watch this video on my computer. Still nothing. I took one step closer to the iridescent instrument. The yellow light jumped to orange. I thought so, I said. You're... you're attached, aren't you? To the guitar, I mean. 
Did it belong to you? I kept quiet after delivering these questions to allow time for the answer to appear in the captions I would generate later. After a reasonable amount of time, I asked, Do you want to be freed? I didn't have to wait for the captions for an answer to this question. The candles on either side of the guitar erupted like miniature volcanoes. The tiny flames burned so hot and bright that for a second droplets of liquefied wax popped off of them like shooting stars. I dared to take one step closer to the workbench. The orange light leapt over to red. The guitar was now spattered with little droplets of previously hot wax, which left foggy little circles of steam where they had landed. These quickly evaporated, leaving only the tiny cooling pimples behind. I asked, Do I need to burn this guitar? The answer came in a perfect E minor chord, loud and definitive. My focus shifted to the lower end of the neck just in time to see the A and D strings lift off the fretboard. They had been pressed down by some invisible force just long enough to let the cord ring out. But as the cord died, so did the red light on my reader. The candle flames flickered out too. I called out, Hello? Are you still there? And gave space for a reply. Then I remembered one final important question. I called out loudly, Is your name Rick? I felt a strange loneliness. I was used to being alone, but had forgotten what it felt like until that moment. It had become the norm, like how your skin doesn't constantly remind you you're wearing clothes. Without asking any more questions, I turned the camera off. Since nothing terrible had happened, I felt eager to import the video and transcribe the captions. My right leg bounced on the ball of my foot until the auto-transcription was finally complete. Here's how it read. Okay, I think you're here, but where exactly? Nearer. Okay, okay. You're telling me where to go, aren't you? Can you come to me? Away strapped. Are you trapped? I won't be able to, yes, hear your answer until I watch the video on my computer. I thought so. You're attached, aren't you? To the guitar, I mean. Yes. Did it belong to you? A gift. Do you want to be freed? Do I need to burn this guitar? Unfortunately, I did not receive a verbal answer to this question. I had instead gotten the E minor chord. Helpful? Only as confirmation of the spirit's existence. No living person was physically near that instrument when it made the chord. It's all on video. And I didn't receive answers to my last question either. I still couldn't be sure Rick was the spirit's name. One line didn't make sense to me at first. You probably caught it too. It was after I had asked if the spirit could come to me. It said, Away strapped. I was used to this problem in Adobe Premiere, where sometimes words get cut in the wrong place. To piece them together, you have to separate certain letters from the words, mostly S's and R's. In this case, I removed the S from strapped to make trapped. That turned the nonsense fragment into always trapped, which could easily translate to always trapped. I think the spirit was telling me it had been stuck since, well, forever. Likely since death, I imagined. I couldn't be sure where the spirit was pulling its energy from, but I thought it must have had a limited supply. Playing that ominous E minor chord must have zapped the last of it for a while. 
I wasn't sure how long it would take to recharge, so I devised a little plan to maybe solve my mystery. I snapped some photos of the Squire Strat in normal lighting, no candles, taking special care to photograph the poorly sanded armrest. I figured that would be a distinctive mark someone might recognize. I also made sure to include the serial number on the headstock for the same reason. I posted the photos everywhere I could think to with the caption, Please share. I'm looking for the original owner of this guitar. I think there's something of value to them inside it. I must admit, I chuckled a bit as I wrote that last sentence. I was preparing for bed that night when I received a knock on the door. A militaristic voice said, Police. And I don't think he meant please. Although, some manners would not have hurt. Peering through the peephole, I saw one uniformed officer standing in front of a man in a gray polo with his badge and gun on his belt. I cautiously opened the door. Marcus Sharp? The man in the polo asked. That's me, I said. I let the door swing open all the way. This seemed to take some tension out of the air. Hey, Mr. Sharp, sorry to bother you so late. You posted some pictures of a guitar online recently, yeah? I nodded. Could you tell me how you acquired that instrument? A local pawn shop, I told him. I still have the receipt. Was it stolen or something? Afraid I can't share that right now, Mr. Sharp. But if you could produce the receipt, I would appreciate it. I retrieved the receipt, and the man I assumed was a detective showed it to the other cop. They both nodded solemnly as they examined it. Would you mind if we took that guitar with us? The detective asked. I raised my eyebrows and said, Yes, actually, I would. Don't you need a warrant or something? The corner of the cop's mouth puckered. The detective said, Yes, to take it we have a few hoops to jump through, but I was really hoping we could skip all of that. I mean, you seem like a reasonable man. I can't tell you much, but that guitar's serial number matches one that went missing from a crime scene. Well, you've seen the receipt, I said. I obviously didn't take it from any crime scene. We know that, Mr. Sharp, but if you could just... They shared a look before the detective continued. <sighs> that guitar you have in your house just might have been used to kill somebody. They stayed silent to let me take this in. What they didn't know was that my mind had started replaying captions, reading and rereading the voice of a dead man. Murder. If Rick or whoever the spirit was had been murdered with the guitar, well, I suppose it made sense it would be haunted. So the question was... Did I want to keep talking to the spirit, or turn over a potential murder weapon to the police? It's sanded down, right? The detective asked when I didn't respond for a while. I told him yes, the armrest had been poorly sanded. Well, the victim's daughter, she sent us your post. She says the guitar didn't used to look like that. He took pride in his instruments, that one in particular, I guess. She says he never would have done that. We believe the killer might have sanded it down to get rid of the, uh, the evidence. Unwanted images of the strat splattered with sticky blood entered my mind. My brain started adding details like hairs stuck in the blood and bits of shattered skull. And I pictured this horrific mess sitting on my own workbench in my humble little studio. I thought of the flickering candles, the guitar between them like the subject of a dark ritual. I decided I would have loved to solve the mystery but that job belonged to the detective. I'll go get it for you, I said before I even knew what I was doing. He gave me a deep nod and said, We appreciate your cooperation, Mr. Sharp. 
After the police had driven away with the guitar, I stood on my porch for a minute, letting the cool night air clean me. I imagined it washing through my ears, scrubbing my brain of the horrors it had conjured up a few minutes before. While I stood there, a woman came up the sidewalk. I waved and expected her to keep walking by, but she turned in my driveway and approached me. Oh, great, I thought. She wants to gossip about what the police were doing at my house. Excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you so late, she said. Are you a cop? I asked. Uh, no, she awkwardly replied. Oh, it's just, what you just said is exactly what the detective said to me. Oh, she laughed a little. She said, I was parked down the road watching them. I saw you give them dad's guitar and wanted to come ask you about it. I was the one who, you know, called them when I saw the photos online. A friend sent them to me. You said your dad's guitar? Yeah, he... The woman dropped her head, and I realized she had started crying. I sat down on the edge of the patio and offered her the two square feet of concrete beside me. She sat heavily, letting the weight of grief land with her. Once she collected herself, she gave me the whole story. What I learned from her was that a man named Joshua Hart had been murdered a few days prior. Nothing had been stolen from him except one blue squire guitar. Good old Joshua had kept good records of his guitars, apparently, and had recorded the same serial number as the one I had posted pictures of all over the internet in an Excel sheet. I eventually learned that the woman I was speaking to was Kelly, another name that had appeared in the auto-captions. When Kelly had seen my photos, she immediately reported them to the police. There were, apparently, no leads in the case. But with the possible murder weapon now in the detective's hands, she hoped they would generate some soon. Just out of curiosity, did your dad know anybody named Rick? I asked. Kelly looked at me strangely. It was the same look I might have expected if I told her I had been talking to her father's ghost all day long. Yeah, his stepbrother is named Rick. Why? But her face told me she probably knew why already. She had secrets she didn't want to tell me, and Lord knows, so did I. Call it a hunch, I said. Maybe you could encourage the police to look at him if they aren't already. They are, she said warily. I said, then maybe a little closer. Let's fast forward a bit to yesterday. Roughly a month had passed since the visits from the police and Kelly. I had gotten to watch the case unfold on the news. Rick Holland was arrested for the murder of his stepbrother, Joshua Hart. He had killed him in a spontaneous rage over some disagreement about an inheritance. The news didn't go into specifics. The murder weapon had, in fact, been that blue squire strat I turned over to the cops. Rick had bashed poor Joshua's head in with it. Shocking there was no damage to the neck pocket or headstock. I felt sorry for Joshua on multiple levels. One, for being murdered in cold blood, of course. But the other was because I knew his spirit still lingered trapped in that guitar, which was now locked up in some sterile evidence room. But yesterday, my sympathetic feelings were assuaged. Kelly came to visit me again. She brought the blue guitar with her. I know the cops took this from you without any compensation, she said. Tears were brimming in her eyes. Kelly, I said, if you think I'm going to take your dad's guitar from you. No, she said, smiling despite the tears. I knew you wouldn't but it would have felt wrong not to offer. The real reason I'm here is, well, 
I want to know how you knew about Rick. Did you know him or something? Never met him, I said. With a wink, I added, but your dad mentioned him a couple of times. I then explained everything to Kelly, about the videos, the captions, the truncated conversations I had had with the spirit who turned out to be her father. I invited her inside to try making one last video. She took some time to consider this. It was an understandably heavy decision. But once she agreed to come in, she seemed eager. I showed her to my studio, and we set up the equipment. I'll just hit record and let you do the talking, I said. Dad? She called out once we were rolling. Are you there? She looked around, waiting for a response. Remember, you won't be able to hear him, I reminded her. Oh, right. Okay. Dad, they caught Rick. He's in jail now and probably going to prison. I hope, maybe, that'll give you some peace. Maybe you can move on now. I held up a hand, pausing her for a few seconds to allow room for a response. Well, um... I'm not really sure what else to say except, I love you, Dad, and I miss you. She started weeping, and I shut the camera down. I led her into my office and allowed her to collect herself in my good chair while I pulled up a spare. She let herself cry while I imported the video and ran the auto transcription. I will leave you with the captions from the last video I made with that guitar before Kelly took it home to keep, because it seems like a good ending to this story. It made me shed a few tears of my own. Here it is. I'll just hit record and let you do the talking. Kelly? Dad, are you there? Kelly, I'm here. Kelly Bug. Remember, you won't be able to hear him. Oh, right. Okay. Dad, they caught Rick. He's in jail now and probably going to prison. I hope, maybe, that'll give you some peace. Maybe you can move on. Want to stay. With you. Kelly. Well, I'm not really sure what else to say except I love you, Dad, and I miss you. Keep me close, Kelly. I am here, and I love you. Ah, shoot, I'm going to have to mess up that neat and tidy ending, but there's something I forgot to mention. When the captions said, Kelly bug, I tried to translate what that could mean. I finally asked Kelly, even though she was a sobbing mess. Happy, contented tears, of course. She told me I didn't need to translate the captions at all. She told me, Kelly Bug, was why she was crying so damn hard. Kelly Bug is what her dad had called her since she was two years old, and had continued to call her until, and beyond, the end. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into The Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.